Hey, what's going on, everyone? Beer Today, Beer Tomorrow is back once again, and this time the crew is in Bushwick, Brooklyn, for a sit-down with Marshall Thompson of Braven Brewing. Now, please don't forget to subscribe to the show on iTunes, and if you like what you hear, give us a good review, too. We appreciate your support. And also, don't forget to check out Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook. Now, this latest episode is jam-packed with good stories and BTVT exclusives. So grab some brews and sit back and enjoy. Cheers. Hey, guys. What's going on? This is Beer Today, Beer Tomorrow, back here in Brooklyn. Uh, Brave and Brewing, very excited uh, to be here. I got my uh, two BTVT goons with me. Justin, what's going on? Hey, what's going on, man? Glad to be back. Absolutely. And Perry, welcome, welcome back. Uh, how you doing? Pretty great. Glad to do a second round. Absolutely, absolutely. And we have a very, very special guest that we'd like to introduce, sir. Please introduce yourself. Hey, I'm uh, Marshall Thompson from Braven Brewing Company. Awesome, awesome. So, so you know, Bushwick, I mean, so much history here. I know that in the um, 1800s, there were something like uh, over two dozen breweries, something yeah. like that. And then, you know, by 1904, I think there was about 44 breweries in between Bushwick and Williamsburg. Uh, and then post-World War II... You know, businesses started shutting down, and I think up until maybe the 70s was when the last remaining breweries right. open. And now here we are today, and, and you guys are here. You guys are like kind of continuing that, uh, uh, I guess this is this is the renaissance, the Bushwick uh, <laughs> beer renaissance. I mean, it's the first brewery in what, like 40 years? Yeah, that was our goal when we uh, started working on the business back in 2013. We wanted to be the first brewery in Bushwick in almost 40 years. Uh, Rheingold was the last one that closed in right. 1976, which is just, a, it was about three blocks from where we are right now, okay. um, right off of Flushing Avenue. Um, so that was our, our slogan for our Kickstarter when we, when we very first started. It was bringing brewing back to Bushwick. Okay. That was our slogan. Um, so yeah, we, that was our goal from the beginnings to open a brewery here in the neighborhood. Um, it's taken us a long time. We, we have our Bushwick Pilsner. We have a couple other styles that we've uh, brewed so far. But, and we are getting very close to finally being able to have our own physical brewery in the neighborhood, um, hopefully by next summer. That's our goal. Okay. Wow, that's awesome. Congratulations. Yeah. Thank you. Uh, looking forward to that. And that, uh, that obviously will be locally here, not, not too far from where we are right now. Correct. Yeah, our goal is to open it um, just off the Morgan stop. So if you know where Roberto's Pizza is, mm -hmm. it's going to be within a hop, skip, and a jump from there. Yeah, Pizza and perfect beer. combination. <laughs> Cannot beat perfect that. combination. Cannot you know what the lines are like at Roberto's anyway. So well, yeah, well, yeah. You come by for a beer, head <laughs> over you for your pizza. <laughs> yeah. yeah, perfect. And and now you say we so and there's you and there's another co-owner, correct? Correct. Yeah, Eric Feldman, who um, couldn't be here today, he was actually up in Saratoga Springs where we're currently brewing our beer. Mm -hmm. He brewed our our new style. Uh, we're going to be launching in about three weeks. Um, it's called Skyliner IPA. It's a West Coast style IPA. Um, a little bigger than our other styles we've done so far. Our white IPA is only 5%. This one's uh, 7.0. And we're going to be, we dry hop with uh, Mosaic, which is kind of a trendy hop these days. Sure. So it's going to be kind of more in the lines of like a two-hearted or a Sculpin. Something like that. A little okay. bigger, punchier, a little more bitter. Okay. Now, now going back to um, the brewery that, that's going to open, is it going to have a tasting room? Absolutely. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Um, so we're fortunate with kind of our business model. We're very much following in Brooklyn Brewery's footsteps where they, they started off brewing upstate and then eventually opened a brewery in Brooklyn. Mm -hmm. um, I, 
think it was nine years before they had a brewery in Brooklyn. Oh, wow. They're brewing everything in Utica. So mm-hmm. we're up in Saratoga Springs. Mm-hmm. Um, so our idea is to be able to keep brewing upstate, keep doing like the bottles like we're drinking right now, the, the, the kegs that we're doing from there. Because mm-hmm. um, the bottling line alone at Saratoga Springs is, uh, I want to say like four or 5,000 square feet. Like okay. wow. just the bottling line. <laughs> that, that sounds yeah. awesome. So it's it's pretty massive, and w- there's no way we'd be able to afford anything like that in Brooklyn anytime sure. soon. Mm-hmm. So the advantage of being able to brew up there is that we can still do bottles, and then when we have our brewery down here, um, we'll have a ten barrel brewing system. That's the idea to have something that's like small, and you can be really creative with it. You can do uh, a lot of different batch styles, and kind of keep trying new things and do things seasonally. Do collaborations with um, restaurants, record labels, artists, mm. like everybody that we'd like to hang out with and be associated with. Mm. Um, it's fun. It'll be fun to finally bring them into our own place, which we've been dying to do for uh, four and a half years at this point. <laughs> oh, wow. Mm-hmm. Oh, wow. Yeah. Okay. Um, so how many employees do you have? I, I know you have Eric. Yeah. Well, yeah. It's <laughs> been me and Eric since April of 2013. Um, and we finally just hired our first salesperson. Okay. Um, his name's Abe Rodriguez. He started about a month ago, a little over a month ago, maybe five weeks ago. Okay. Um, so we, we work, we have a lot of great partners that we work with. Mm-hmm. that aren't technically employees, but we work with uh, a really great brewery up in Saratoga Springs called Old Saratoga Brewing Company. And then we have a distributor uh, based here pretty much in Bushwick called SKI Beer Distributors. SKI Beer Distributors. Yeah. Okay. Um, they've been in the craft beer game for a really long time. They were like Brooklyn Brewery's first distributor. Mm-hmm. They brought Dogfish Head to mm-hmm. New York City. They brought Sierra Nevada to New York City. Uh, and they're also really big in import, um, like Belgian styles. They do Delirium. They do a lot of German styles like Radeberger, Hofbrau. So they only do like higher end craft import beer and they've been amazing to us. We love working with them. Um, I know at some other distributors, like bigger ones, we would be lost in the shuffle mm-hmm. um, under some other higher priorities, but we've always been a very high priority for them and, and they've been excellent to us. We were very fortunate to sign a distribution contract with them before we'd ever brewed mm-hmm. a batch of beer. Wow. Professionally. Okay. Wow. <laughs> nice. Wow. Um, that's kind of a, a funny long story, I guess. When when Eric and I both decided we wanted to do this for real, not mm-hmm. just home brewing like we were doing in East Village, mm-hmm. um, we're like, all right, we're actually going to do this. I left the marketing agency world behind and said, I'm going to go and commit to this. So I went back to bartending, um, get back to like being in the industry and I worked at a couple different bars in Williamsburg, um, and I worked at one in Fort Greene, another one back in Williamsburg then. And when I was at the one in Williams uh, in Fort Greene, it was a German bar, and I would just hand out my business card to every rep that would come through. Like, I'm opening a brewery, I'm opening a brewery. And most That's of them were like, <laughs> why are you bothering me? <laughs> like, yeah, I don't care. Mm-hmm. But there was one guy uh, named Brian Lucrezia who works for SKI, and he would come by pretty often, at least once a week. And he would ask me how it was going. I'm like, it's coming along. I'd have like little advances, little wins, like every time we, I'd see him. Um, and he's like, cool, cool. I'm really glad to hear like it's coming along. And then one time he brought his manager in, and the manager was like, oh yeah, I heard you have like a, that you're working on this brewery. I'm like, yeah. And I showed him a little mock-up of what 
we wanted to do cans at the time. Mm-hmm. Um, and this is like what our cans are going to look like. He's like, holy shit, those look sick. Those are amazing. Why don't you guys come to this other event that we're doing next week? I'm like, okay. And it was a launch for a, a German Kolsch that they were doing at Radagast. Mm-hmm. So Eric and I went and we met most of the SKI sales team. They were all there, all drinking for free, of course. Mm-hmm. Sure. Um, <laughs> not going to turn that down. <laughs> um, and so we got to meet like the head of sales and all like the regional managers for the territory. And we were just like hanging out like we've been friends for a while. It was kind of a cool vibe. They're very welcoming, and they're like, "Well, wow, you heard about you, like Braven? That sounds pretty cool. Like, you like your logo looks cool." And they're like, "Why don't you come meet like the owners of SKI?" I'm like, okay, sure. Like, have this informational meeting. Mm-hmm. And so then that we went and met with them, and we had maybe four bottles of homebrew. Like, one was a white IPA. And we had the a black IPA at the time. We had maybe a twelve-page uh, pitch deck that we were trying to show to investors and uh, and a pretty cool logo. That was, (laughs) that was about all we had with us. And we knew we were going to, we want to be based in Bushwick and, and like our resumes. That was, that was it. It was still just a stream. And they're like, yeah, that sounds pretty good. I think we could use you. Um, I think you'd be good for our portfolio. Um, So we're going to work on a contract. So um, let us know if you're still interested. And we're like, sure, okay, yeah, we'll think about it. <laughs> <laughs> you know, we're weighing a lot of options here. <laughs> yeah. And we're like, okay, okay, yeah, that sounds good. That could work, yeah. yeah. And we're like, we don't have a brewery yet. And we're like, no, no, we work with this great brewery up in Saratoga Springs. I'm sure they'd be happy to work with you. Right. And we're like, yeah, we talked with them before. They, they brew 110 barrels at a time. <laughs> I think that might be too much for us. Like, who's going to buy our beer? But I know, like, five bars in Bushwick that are interested and they're like, don't worry. If you brew it, we'll sell it. Wow. Like, wow. That's awesome. Right that on, was, man. Uh, right on. A huge vote of confidence. We were mm-hmm. like, re- wow, really? Wow. <laughs> <laughs> okay. You really, really do believe in us. Wow. And so, like, we, like, shook their hands and walked outside, went down a block, turned the corner, like, looked over our shoulder. We were out of sight. Yeah. We were like, did that just fucking happen? <laughs> <laughs> I, we were yeah. like fist pumping, yeah. like Fuck high yeah, fives, sure. jump kicks in the air. Yeah. Yeah. Fuck Couldn't yeah. believe it. We're like, oh my God, I think we just were offered a distribution contract. Wow. <laughs> so wow. So yeah, then things happened pretty quickly from there. Um, we got set up with Old Saratoga um, and then we ended up going up there, I think it was December 8th, 2014, when we brewed a double batch of white IPA. So a double for us is like 220 barrels at a time. So um, that was, that's a whole other crazy story. Do you want me to just keep going? Keep going, man. No, no, these are great stories. These these are great stories, yeah. Uh, And we we got beer, we're good. Yeah. (laughs) And we got a whole fridge full of them, so (laughs) we don't need to go anywhere for a while. (laughs) Um, So this, this, uh, this was quite an experience so we knew we wanted to do the white IPA to start um, and when we decided we, we originally were going to do a black beer and a white beer our logo is black and white that was kind of our our shtick mm-hmm. but then when we realized it was 110 barrels we were like no way we can launch with two two styles we literally don't have enough money to <laughs> brew two of these at the same time so we're like okay we're just going to do the white IPA I think it's going to be more 
appealing mm-hmm. to the public. So we we had a recipe that we brewed probably 20 times in Eric's apartment on five gallons, you know, in a bucket. Um, and we really nailed it. I think we dialed it in, um, happy with it. And so then we went back and forth with the old Saratoga team, um, scaling it from five gallons to 6,000 gallons, which is which is terrifying. <laughs> it sounds uh, like it, yeah. It's a big step. They, there's mm-hmm. no, they don't do pilot batches. Oh. It's all or nothing. They don't have like a three barrel system or a right. 10 barrel. It's like, nope, it's everything. Wow. So, yeah, we're like, wow. <laughs> <laughs> mm-hmm. um, so we went back and forth, um, and the white IPA is a hybrid of a Belgian white and an American IPA. So we use flaked wheat, coriander, and orange peel from the Belgian white half, and uh, Citra, Cascade, and Columbus, and American ale yeast from kind of the American IPA side. And so, you know, when you scale it up, they use different spices than we used at home. Some things are maybe more fresh. The hops might be a little different. So um, we kind of went back and forth on the the, the grain bill and the, um, how much of the spices we wanted to use. And so we have ended up cutting the spices in half. Or like they think that their spices they have are a little more potent than the ones they're sitting at, like the homebrew store. Might be a little sitting on that shelf for too long. So... We're like, okay, if you really think it should only be half, then we'll just do half. That's we trust you on this. Better to be conservative than yeah. throw it out the first time. Right. And and that's it. Like we had enough money for one batch. If we screw up this batch, wow. Yeah. That's the end of the company. <laughs> Talk about <laughs> like pressure, huh? Yeah, you're, you're over before you started. On that one, right? so. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah, a little bit of pressure. Yeah, sleepless nights? Uh not quite yet. Um after so after we uh, drove up there in like early December, um, yeah, Saratoga is like four hours north of here, so it's mm. always a little colder up there. Um, so we we got there the night before, um, started at I think like seven thirty the next morning. Started brewing, um, things are going well. We're adding the hops, we're adding the grains, like super excited. And they do double batches, so they do one hundred ten barrels, and then um, as they're knocking out, they start uh, mashing in the next one. So they kind of keep going with the second, uh, second batch, and then they end up blending the two in like these two hundred twenty barrel fermenters, like massive mm-hmm. things. So it all evens out between the two of them. Right. So after we finish the first batch, we're knocking out, get a little sample of it. Um, something's wrong. <laughs> oh boy. <laughs> Something oh. is off, and we're like, I I don't know. Like something is wrong with this, and I can't quite figure out what it is yet. And they're like, "Well, you got 30 minutes until the next one starts. Oh, wow. If you want to change something, you better figure it out soon." Wow. <laughs> we're wow. like, ah, <laughs> all right. <laughs> so we we like walked across the street, pretty much in like dead silence, just like contemplating all these bad things that can happen. What happens if we screw this up? And get like a sandwich, bring it back, um, eat the sandwich again in silence. <laughs> We're like, what do you think it is? What do you think it is? Um, is it the hops? Is it like the grains? Is it the spices? So, got back in, tried it again. And like the the particulate had kind of settled a little more in it by that time. So we had these glasses that were like maybe four ounces, and the hops and the the matter kind of like tr- fell out of it a little bit. So. Mm-hmm. You taste it wasn't quite as green and i said you know it's the spices there's just too much spice 
um, I don't think we should put in as much spice. And, and they're like, well, how much do you want them to take out? I'm like, cut it entirely from the next one. Wow. Just don't put wow. any more in. So then you get um, half of half total, basically. Yeah. So we ended up doing a quarter of the total amount. And they're like, okay, we'll do that. Whatever you want. Like, we're, we're here to make whatever beer you want. So we're like, I hope that's it. <laughs> <laughs> wow. um, it was just the, the bitterness from the coriander. What I think that was what decision. was doing it. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and because it was bitter, but it wasn't from the hops. It, I could tell it was not the, the hop bitterness. It was more of a, a spice bitter. Mm-hmm. So um, as we're like about to start the next batch, we, like, we realize that there's this blizzard coming through Saratoga. <laughs> and both of us were still working jobs. So we had to be back for work the next day. And if we stayed another like hour or two, we'd be snowed in. Oh, right? man. And like, the roads would be completely shut down. And so we're like, we got a jet. Well, we're not going to make it home. So good luck, guys. I hope this works. Wow. And so... It, Wings in a prayer, right? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So It's dramatic. So we drove home like in crazy icy winds, um, like blowing us off the highway. Still not sure how our beer turned out. And we had to wait three weeks for all of it to blend together to see how it was going to come out. And during that time, that's when I had the sleepless nights and the sweaty palms. <laughs> oh, like, just talking to anybody about it. I'm like, I, I don't know. I have no idea wow. how this is going to turn out. So much second guessing. Was it that? Should I have done this? Should I have done that? Yeah. Like, oh. Yeah. And I was th- – you're helpless at that point. There's nothing you can do. Just wait. Like torturing yourself probably, right? Yeah. Mm. So, I mean, it was cool that we had done it and, like, we had a, a launch party lined up. We had, like, press – we had people working on this party. We had DJs lined up. We had all this stuff. And we're like, what if it tastes like shit? Like, what, <laughs> what if it's absolute garbage and we can't serve it to anybody? We have to cancel everything and dump it down the drain with a huge amount of money just literally jumping down the drain, too. Right. Um, so that was us, like, freaking out for about three weeks. And then Eric went up um, on December 30th. So, like, about three weeks later. Our goal was always in to have beer by the end of 2014 that Mm. we like really really wanted at the beginning of the year we're like we're gonna do it so december 30th (laughs) he was up there and no sorry it was the 31st it was the 31st oh wow yeah it was literally he went up the 30th he tried it on the morning of the 31st um and i was here i was i was still bartending so I, i couldn't go up there but he was in in the tasting room they poured like some samples from a keg and he like he called me while he was tasting it. He's like, "All right, I'm gonna do it. I'm gonna try it." I'm like, "Okay." I'm like sitting in my bed, <laughs> like still like sweating. Yeah. yeah. And he's like, "It's perfect. It's exactly what we tried to make. Wow. It's, it's what we brewed at home. This is they they nailed it." Mm-hmm. And so again, I was just fist pumping in my room, <laughs> just by myself, just <laughs> ecstasy. Wow. Uh, and so he came down that day, brought like a six stool with him. Um, we were in an office downstairs from here, and like we just cheers some, actually some of the bar. We have some uh, growlers, some like 32 ounce growlers. Mm-hmm. We like cheered a couple of them and mm-hmm. chugged it down. And it was one of the best feelings of all time. Wow. 
crazy story. That's a gr- that's a <laughs> great story. Yeah. But a great New Year's Eve. Uh, yeah. Oh yeah. Yeah. <laughs> it was. Yeah, that was an amazing way to cap off that year. Mm-hmm. And that was that was just the beginning. Then. <laughs> yeah. Mm-hmm. It's the beginning of the adventure, right? Yeah. 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 Well, can can, can you uh, rewind a bit? How yeah. did you get into home brewing? Sure. Um, so Eric and I have been friends now <clears throat> for 17 years. Okay. Um, his high school friend was my college roommate. Mm-hmm. So Eric would come and crash in my dorm room during college, and he he and another one of our friends who went to high school with my friend Dan, um, he would literally stink up the place. It was pretty awful. <laughs> it was <laughs> like four dudes and a lot of Chinese food and weed, pretty much. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It, it was pretty right in there. Yeah. Um, but after college uh, – Kind of our our, tur- our two groups of friends merged, and that's when I started to get to know Eric better. He went to Georgetown Law School. Okay. And I we were, I went to school in D.C. at American University. So okay. are you a D.C. guy or? I'm from Pennsylvania. Pennsylvania. Yeah, oh. but I, I ended up living in uh, D.C. for about nine years. Okay. Because we're, we're we're PA people. Oh, okay. Lancaster, yeah. Pennsylvania. That's okay. where okay. I grew up. Oh, Amish guy. Amish yeah. Guy. Yeah. Okay. Can you tell? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so. We ended up going to a lot of punk rock shows together. Um, mm-hmm. There's there a lot of really great music venues in D.C., and one in particular is called the Black Cat. Yeah. Uh, which I lived across the street from that, and that was basically my second home. Or basically my first home. <laughs> and I would just like go home to sleep. But I would right. spend pretty much every other minute at the Black Cat. And Eric and I had two bar stools at the end of the bar where that's, that was like where we'd sit all the time. And we would drink the best beer that they had on tap. And at the time, that was Newcastle. Newcastle okay. Brown Ale was like <laughs> our favorite, and we were just down pints in Newcastle like every night. Um, so, flash forward, fast forward to 2008, we both moved up here around that same time, um, kind of independently. He had finished grad school. I had owned a clothing store in DC, and that closed with the recession. So I was just like, I'm done, I'm moving. Okay, so, so you I, had entrepreneurial experience. Yeah, I had an mm-hmm. entrepreneurial failure under my belt. <laughs> so I kind of knew what I was doing, kind of. Mm-hmm. Um, or at least not what to do. Not what not to do. Right? Yeah, what you don't do is open a retail store. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Just don't do that. <laughs> it's, it's really, really hard. Um, much. I mean, this is hard, but that was brutal. Um, that's a whole other sure. podcast. Sure. Um, yeah. So. But you can't succeed if you don't fail, right? Yeah. Uh, I mean, I'd much prefer not to. Well, sure, sure, yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah, no, it wasn't it wasn't pleasant. Um, so then I ended up going back to school. Um, I went to Fordham, got my MBA in marketing. Um, that's what I really loved the most about my store was the, the creative advertising marketing aspects of it. Mm-hmm. Um, and at this time, Eric was working for full, like a law firm, a big international law firm. And... When I was in grad school, um, one night I was sitting in the computer lab just on Gchat, and for some reason, I thought it'd be—I thought I needed to have a hobby. I was just kind of bored with school, and I didn't have anything else going on besides like just going to concerts or something. So, I sent him a link to a brown ale kit because I was like, "Eric, wouldn't it be fun to do a brown ale?" Like we we drank all those Newcastles back in the day, and so I sent it to him, and he said. You have to be shitting me. I have that same website open in another tab right now because I was thinking about homebrewing. Get out of here. 
I'm serious. We have the screenshot of the G chat, mm-hmm. like to memorialize that moment. <laughs> that's an amazing. That's so pretty, we're yeah. like, a serendipitous. Yeah, fuck, I guess we need to. Yeah. Well, that was like, should we call it serendipity brewing company? <laughs> <laughs> or like kismet or what is it? Yeah. yeah. So we were like, all right, I guess we need to start doing this. But so at the time we were both living in the East Village. I was at Eighth and C, and he was at in Stytown at Fourteenth and A, and so we just called it East Village Brewing Company the EVBC and that was when there was a V train in in New York so our letters were like the the circles EVBC right right and they were orange and blue it was a pretty cool logo okay um we always do cool logos (laughs) sure (laughs) yeah yeah um so that was like just for fun we did that for about four years we had a lot of uh, I think the most fun part of that was inviting our friends over and they would always come over to have like a little party um whenever we had a, a new style some of them were great. Some of them were not great. Um, but everyone always had a good time. And we would always make sure they brought other beer, too, in case the beers were terrible. <laughs> <laughs> well, like, why don't you bring a six-pack, too, just in case? Now, was there one that, that especially stood out as being terrible? Uh, yeah, we tried to do a Russian Imperial Stout that just did not ferment the way that we needed it to. Um, it, if, it, if it doesn't eat up all the sugar, it ended up being just super sweet like really really sweet and not nearly boozy enough mm. as it should be so we tried to do other things with it we're like why don't you make like a beer float with ice cream in it or something <laughs> yeah i think everyone saw through that <laughs> like, it's just not a good beer guys we're like yeah we know <laughs> okay. uh, but people i think our most our best one was uh, we did hefeweizen that was really really good okay. um, and that was um, featured on um, this homebrew tour um, that a local guy, uh, Josh Bernstein, was doing at the time. Okay. Um, he's since become like a New York City beer author. He has right. three or four books now. Yep. And we were one of the, the first apartments he did on his uh, homebrew tour in 2010. I did not know that. Yeah. Wow. Wow. So he like wrote about us uh, in his blog, like survey, or like a kind of a a wrap-up summary of that tour of that day and he thought that like we had some good beers and like maybe we should look out for these guys and then a couple years later when we're like we're starting a brewery he's like yeah no surprise everybody that i did a brew tour with all started breweries <laughs> <laughs> like single cut i think those guys were on the tour way back when mm-hmm. uh like finback i think like um Maybe the Rockaway guys. I forget all of them, but it's like the who's who of New York beer. Yeah, like they all started on Josh's homebrew tours. Wow. So he's kind of a kingmaker. I don't know. He's a lot of influence. Sure. And I think gave a lot of people confidence. It gave us a lot of confidence. Like, oh, people actually like what we're doing. Maybe we should continue doing it or keep doing. Take it it to the next level. Sure. Do you think there's a chance that uh, the like ski guys happen to know about you maybe through that as well? No, <laughs> they they never heard of Josh Bernstein before. Oh really? Okay. No, I was just curious because you said he later got big. So yeah, um, I don't think they, I don't think they're aware of his his writings. Okay. Um, yeah, and we did a different name, and so the only press that we had is kind of what we've been talking about from Kickstarter. Right. We, had, we got a lot of really good press from even just the Kickstarter. Um, what was that process like doing the Kickstarter? Uh. That was really fun, actually. I really enjoyed it. We, the first thing we did 
after well so the first thing we did was write a business plan uh, I had some experience doing that before so I kind of knew that how to do that um, a lot of things I didn't know it was just learning as I was going through it but at the time I was going to um, Heavy Woods which is yeah, a bar around the corner here yeah. mm -hmm. shout out to Heavy Woods <laughs> shout out to Heavy Woods <laughs> That's where I, would, I went and just wrote the business plan, like all day, every day, and then I'd go to bartend at night. Um, so I would do that, and then after Eric and I were like, okay, I think this kind of makes sense. It's, I don't know, it's like 40 pages long or something at this point. Um, then we knew, like, next couple steps, like, we had zero money between us. So we're like, we need to do something to raise some kind of money. Um, so we worked with a local husband and wife graphic, graphic design team called Two Arms Inc. And they're also in Greenpoint. Um, and we said, the company's called Braven. It's the head of a raven with buck antlers and we want it to be black and white. Those are our parameters. Mm -hmm. And we gave them a bunch of inspiration of different things that we kind of liked that hopefully would play into the design. And it took about two and a half to three months going back and forth. Um, to end up with something as simple and as clean as we ended up with. We're really stoked about, actually, at the end of it. Um, well, it looks great. Thank you. Yeah, that's <laughs> it it's really done well for us. So once we came up with the logo, then we could come up with, like, T-shirts and, like, other things that kind of tie into the prizes you can do with Kickstarter because you can't, according to the rules, you can't give away alcohol. Yeah. Right. So you have to come up with other things to, like, get people to buy into it. So we had... Everything from a sticker to a pint glass, keychain, T-shirt, hoodie, tote bag. Mm -hmm. um, I think those are all the physical things. And then, like, you're going to brew a beer with us one day. And um, Some people, uh, the very, very top one was, um, we'll name our brewing equipment after you. Get, like, the naming rights. <laughs> and someone actually bought that. <laughs> like, somebody we didn't know, it was a couple in Florida, they're like, we really think you guys are onto something. Mm -hmm. So <clears throat> next year when we have our equipment installed in the spring or so, it's going to be named after them. <laughs> oh, <laughs> shit. It's like <laughs> four years later. Yeah. 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 But they've been supporters. They really believe in us. Yeah. Um, well, I mean, there's the history of Kickstarter. Like, oh, none of those things actually come into fruition. Yeah. But this is a successful Kickstarter yeah. story. Yeah. yeah. So um, then, so one of my college friends, uh, and one actually became Eric's friend too, um, he was a director. So he volunteered to like shoot it for us, and we just went to other businesses around the neighborhood, like Northeast Kingdom, uh, when that was open, um, AP Cafe, um, I forget, there might have been some other, oh, The Sampler, when that was open too, mm -hmm. um, and did like some shots around the neighborhood of like our friends, but then um, just kind of neighborhood scenes, and we talked a lot about the history of the brewing in the neighborhood, said so that was Bushwick then. It had this great brewing tradition. This is Bushwick now. And we want to bring some of that history to current Bushwick. Mm -hmm. And so that really, I think, struck a chord with people. Like, they didn't know. Most people still don't know about the history of what was here in Bushwick for a century. Like, a yeah. hundred years. This was the place in, like, America for brewing beer. And it only took one generation to forget, which is pretty wild, I think. It is. Yeah. That's um, crazy. And it's interesting to see the correlation, I think, between 
um, when the last brewery closed in 76 and the kind of the decline of Bushwick as a neighborhood because it was a very well-to-do middle-class working-class neighborhood lots of jobs at the brewery yeah uh, breweries around the, the whole neighborhood and then 76 it closed and then there was the blackout of 77 and that's when the whole neighborhood burned to the ground pretty much um, yeah and that's what happens when there are no jobs like people get really pissed off Absolutely. and they resort to violence and it's unfortunate and then it took 40 years 30 years 40 years for it to kind of rebuild again mm. so um, yeah and that in that time people had kind of forgotten and all those buildings had been torn down there are I believe two breweries still standing one of which was the Otto Huber Brewery which is now the well the bar mm. on oh, Mesril okay. Um, that's where we actually had our launch party in 2015. It's a nice place. Great yeah. Spot. It was really fun. That's actually that poster. A rollout party. A nice little rollout poster on the wall. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, so that was, yeah, January 2015 we did that. And then the other brewery that's still standing is called, um, it was the Ulmer Brewery. Um, it's right across the street from where Rheingold was. It's at the corner of Beaver and Belvedere. So, again, okay. it's not too far from here. So those are only two that are still standing, but um, yeah, that's why it's easy to forget if everything's just kind of torn down and forgotten. It's like it never existed. All those, uh, the only ones that like still exist, I think Schaefer is just about the only one that still exists as a brand because that was bought by PBR. And that's right. Moved um, to Milwaukee. So um, uh, correct me if I'm wrong, but I understand that the name Raven in part derives from a is that a tattoo on your shoulder that combines both your parents' family coat of arms? Yeah, is that correct. Yeah, you've done some research. A little bit, it's a little bit. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we don't put that out there too much, but uh, yeah. So um, in 2010, um, I was interested in getting a, a tattoo that kind of represented both sides of my family. Um, my family's very much always been interested in genealogy and heraldry. My grandfather, in particular, was uh, a genealogist. He researched us, our, our family lineage, back to um, Revolutionary War and back to the Mayflower wow. and that kind of stuff. Um, so he was always into that, and I thought it'd be really interesting to have something that honors kind of both sides of my family. My mother is a very right brain artist. Um, my father is left brain banker lawyer almost couldn't be more opposite yeah and i'm like a creative business person so like somewhere i think in in between the two of them you're the hybrid yeah, yeah. yeah. so like i'm kind of in between yeah the hybrid so i was like i'll get a i'll get a raven on one shoulder oh so in, in the my family's my mother's maiden name is buck so there's a buck in their family coat of arms obviously and my father's side thompson there are three ravens in the thompson coat of arms mm-hmm. so i was gonna get a buck on the right side from my mom's side and Raven on the left side from my, my dad's left brain side. And I was like, you know, it would be a lot weirder and cheaper if I just got <laughs> one to your tattoo <laughs> instead of two of them. So that's what I ended up getting on my left shoulder. Oh, you want to get? So, uh, I got a little picture. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So I got this out in San Francisco while I was visiting a friend out there. And it was just something I'd wanted for a little while. And I was like, we have some extra time. Why don't we go to like this tattoo shop? He's like, I got the guy. I know the guy. Come on. And it was very spur of the moment at the time. And I just really liked it. And it's like, I should nickname it something. I should have a name for it. It's a, it's a buck and a raven. So I guess it's a braven. Mm-hmm. And look at that. <clears throat> yeah. 
So, yeah, like I said, Eric and I were in the East Village um, when we were doing our hobby homebrewing. But then I had since in the next couple of years, I had moved out to Bushwick because um, I really liked it out here. And then we found out about the history. We're like, oh, man, this is where we have to have it. This is perfect. Uh, a lot of warehouse space, a lot of opportunity for development and putting a new a new business in here, I think it would be appreciated. Um, but like, we can't obviously name it East Village Brewing Company anymore. <laughs> <laughs> it doesn't make much sense. Mm-hmm. So I'm like, I got this weird tattoo. <laughs> think about, what do you think about Braven as a name? He's like, ah, uh, I think so. That could work. And I'm like, I know it's like kind of my family thing, um, but when we kind of made this together, we created the brand together. So that logo is not just like a copy of my tattoo. It's us kind of working on it together. So Aww. this is kind of like our, our family kind of crest, right. the Braven family together. Right, sure. Right, right. sure. Yeah, so he's still very much part of the company, <laughs> like the name of the company. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Also, B is at the beginning of the alphabet. So whenever anybody lists things alphabetically, it's <laughs> yeah. right like a menu, yeah. Yeah. you're at the top. Yeah, uh, That works out too. It's two syllables. It's very mm-hmm. easy. It's a made-up word, so it's good for search, mm-hmm. like Googling. Yeah. It's yeah. branding. It's kind sure. of a catchy word yeah. too, braven. It you sounds know? strong. sounds kind of masculine. I get people, that, like, they get all kinds of interpretations of what that means. Because mm-hmm. um, like I said, we don't normally put things out there too much about like this is what Braven is we did kind of like do kind of a backstory try to explain it but mm. it, it doesn't come across very well I think so we're gonna end up scrapping that it was a little too marketing mm-hmm. um, so, so so no mascots at your rollout party <laughs> yeah no, <laughs> no <mascots laughs> but the so the thing so people always say like I love your logo it looks like Harry Potter or it looks like Game of Thrones we get Game of Thrones a lot um, and people like love it that they they can associate it with that. Um, my favorite story though is that we did an event at this bar in um, kind of Gramercy area. Um, it was a bar called Mason Jar. Mm-hmm. We were their beer of the month, and so we were doing this like tasting and drinking with some people. People and the chef comes out of the kitchen. He said, "Are you the Braven guys?" I'm like, "Yeah, yeah, sure." It was our shirts, and. He's like, I love your logo. It's so cool. It's like a Brazilian heavy metal soccer team. <laughs> and like, just kind of sat there for a second. And we're like, sure. Yeah, okay. Uh-huh. Like, I guess this guy is really into Brazilian soccer and heavy, heavy metal. metal. Yeah. And so it, it's kind of like whatever people like, they kind of transpose that and put it onto the logo and interpret it however they want to. Well, that's kind of cool though about the you it's, know it's it's, it's awesome people, yeah so that's yeah. why we kind of like try not to over explain it too much like it's whatever you want it to be oh, okay sure. do we just ruin it like no it's a it's a very awesome logo and, and uh it, it's definitely very distinct like I, I think it's one of the one of the cooler logos that i've seen especially on, on the craft beer scene like you'll you'll remember it you see it <laughs> once you're gonna remember the braven logo it, it cool. is Thank pretty you. cool. Yeah, no problem. Good for tap handle recognition. Yeah, yeah. We uh, it took a while to um, come up with our, our tap handles. Actually, at first we had 
just generic tap handles because we couldn't afford <laughs> like custom tap handles. Actually, they're they're in like that the box the bin right up there, like just generic white ones, and we had just a sticker. Those are like the original ones. Yeah, you guys can take one if you want. We're <laughs> 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 not using them anymore. Um, people like them though because it was just just our logo, and they're like that's just a cool logo. I don't care if it's on a generic looking handle. Yeah, they just liked it, um, and then. Um, we ended up getting a loan from the SBA, so we were able to um, expand a little bit and flesh out a few things, so we were able to get custom tap handles. And then, um, I wonder if I – actually, can I get one out? Can I yeah, show you sure, sure, okay. sure. Grabbing the tap handles. BTBT in Brooklyn. <laughs> so this is the generic one. Okay. Oh. Which is fine. Yeah, it's just, actually it's just cool. white. Yeah, but uh, with our our sticker on it. Mm-hmm. Plays to the logo strength though. It does. Yeah. So it served its purpose. What for when we had just one style of beer? It was just the white IPA, and it was just the the name of the company on it. Mm-hmm. That's pretty um, cool. So then we finally, and then we started introducing more styles of beers, and then people were like, "Well, which one is this?" Mm-hmm. Uh, so. We worked with a, a website literally called taphandles.com. <laughs> okay. Uh, <laughs> sells itself. Yeah. yeah. Um, so we ended up making these, which I think are a little more distinctive. Oh, those are, those are quite a bit cooler, I'd yeah. say. Yeah. Yes. And then, so these are the, the styles of the beer, and we, we use magnets. So oh, they wow. just, like, oh, cool. pop in there. Yeah. I actually have that magnet on my fridge at oh, all. Have, yes, okay. I do. Oh, cool. yeah. So we give these out, like, all the time. Um, so we, we do them for every beer style we've done. And for nice. the folks who but can't see that, that's the uh, yellow uh, Pilsner magnet. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, but the issue with these now, though, there's always an issue. <laughs> <laughs> um, you want to, like, feel the top of that uh, tap handle all the way at the top there. Okay. Um, it's pretty sharp, actually. It is. Ah, okay. Yeah. It's cut steel, like laser-cut steel. Yeah. So it's not so bad when if you pull it the tap panel from where it's supposed to be pulled yeah. in the middle. Um, but anytime there's a bar that has low tap handles right in front of the bar or on, on the bar, the bartender side of the bar, yeah. um, they're reaching over the tap handle yeah. and scraping the shit out of oh, the yeah. forearm. Oh, wow. That's sharp. <laughs> yeah, like, that, yeah, that's not a joke. So, I mean, this is badass, but it's sharp. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Pretty good weapon. Um, so we've heard from a few people that they've – been very disappointed by it. <laughs> so you, you basically have like a, a high style and a low style then. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So it works. It works well if it's like up here, but uh, above, like above the bar. But when it's kind of down at bar level, um, yeah, people are not very happy with us about that. Okay. Um, so we're, we've been working on just rounding the the buck horns a little bit so they're not quite so sharp. Right. So we worked it out with uh, tapanels.com to make it less dangerous but i i have seen these and this is pretty substantial it's steel it's all the way in there yeah Mm -hmm. um i've seen people rip them like just clear off the top of it like they like just chop chop it off Mm. because they've just like like scraped (laughs) like that does not feel good along there dangerous tap handles yeah (laughs) so it's always a learning experience (laughs) sure sure Sure. there's always something that can be improved and uh updated and tweaked so mm-hmm. that's next for us. We just, of course, just bought like 150 new ones, and they're like, we found a new way to round the edges. We're like, 
Thanks, guys. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> a couple thousand dollars too late. Damn. But, <laughs> now, can you tell me about more about the design here? Because I, I think that's the main, main thing that like like stood out when I looked at the beer, as like especially with your um, your flyers over there as well. Yeah, your poster. Yeah, sure. Yeah. Um. So from from the beginning, uh, Eric and I wanted to do a type of beer brand in New York City that was, um, I think, pretty different from what else was out there at the time. In 2013, I think there might have been four or five breweries in New York City. So there really weren't very many at all. It was like Brooklyn Brewery, Six Point, Kelso, and Single Cut. Mm-hmm. Uh, and Chelsea. I think Chelsea was there too. So, I mean... And I think Rockaway too, maybe. Yeah, there were, it was like a couple around that time. Between 2011 and 2013, there were yeah. a, a couple more. And then, you know, in the last four years, it's exploded. I think they're... 34 or 35 now it's crazy so it's nuts um but at the time not just even in new york city but nationwide the the craft beer labels and um styles kind of felt stuck in the 90s or even some of them in back to like the 80s even um where you have like these rolling hills with rivers and hops and grain and like that's just not new york city like there's nothing like that in New York City. That's not what people relate to in New York City. So we're like, we can make like a national scale looking brewery by just having better design. Like you can just have it be cleaner and make it look, I think, more professional um, yeah. and tailor it more towards people in New York City. So why don't we just like strip out all the bullshit? Like just get rid of everything else and just tell people what's in the bottle. Because like, a lot of times if having worked on the other side of the bar people like strain to look across the bar and see what bottles are there Mm -hmm. and they're like i don't know what that is give me a stella like Mm -hmm. that you don't want people to work to like order your beer yeah make it easy you want to make it as easy as possible so that's why we're like let's just put the name of the beer in like big letters so people can read it from across the bar and kind of took inspiration from like those old beer cans that just say like beer we're <laughs> like i know what that is yeah. i'm gonna take one <laughs> um and the bushwick pilsner that's um the script in particular was uh something we worked on with a different designer after two arms uh, named johnny sue he was in williamsburg williamsburg greenpoint area too mm-hmm. uh that we gave him a lot of inspiration from old breweries uh like rheingold schaefer peels traumers um what their labels looked like and we want to kind of take some of the lettering and make it look a little bit old school just for that one style in particular yeah because there's a lot of history to that one um that one style um and i can get into the story of this one actually sure um okay. go for it another yeah. old story so does anyone else need another beer by the way yeah i, I could yeah. take another i'll beer. take another beer Bartender in me. <laughs> 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 There's a lot of empty bottles around here, guys. <laughs> <laughs> wants the same thing. I mix it up. Can I try the white? I'll, I'll yeah. try the IPA. Oh, actually, yeah, I'll try the filter. Cool. Let's grab the center there. Cool. Oh, Perfect. Thank you, sir. Thank you much. Cool. Oh, yeah. Here. Let me try, uh, try out this. That's you put the, it across uh, the top. Yeah, put it across the top. Hang on. Pull back. Like this? Yep. Yeah, man. Oh, okay. Oh, yeah. There, there you go. Is, yeah, that's easy. There you go. All right. I like it. It's 
so lightweight. Yeah. Perfect. So back when we were doing some research on the brewing in, in Bushwick area, there was an article that was written for Brewing Techniques magazine, I think in 1996, mm-hmm. that was then transposed online to um, a kind of janky looking website. It kind of looked like GeoCities almost. Um, <laughs> and the author, Ben Jankowski, he went into the whole history of brewing in Bushwick. And that's where we got a lot of um, inspiration for the history and the styles that were here. And he had a lot of personal correspondences with the brewers throughout the 20th century um, of like Rheingold and Schaefer and Peels and Traumers in particular. And he had a link about halfway through his article. He said, click here if you want to brew a Bushwick style Pilsner at home. Like, oh, sure, I want to do that. So we click through and he has a, a chart pretty much of all of the, the grains, hops, uh, ABV, SRM, IBUs, like all the alphabet soup of how these other breweries made their beers. And they're all Pilsners um, back in like early 20th century. Mm-hmm. Um, and he said, if you want to brew a Bushwick style Pilsner, here's how they did it. And so we're like, that's what we're going to do. And so we brewed it as <coughs> close as we could to those four different styles. We kind of took our favorite elements out of each of them and mm-hmm. um, ended up with a five and a half percent um, I believe 35 IBU. I'd have to check this again. It's been a little bit. Yeah, 35. Um, Pilsner, so a little higher ABV, a little higher bitterness. Um, and we also used, I believe, 12% flaked corn, flaked maize in there too because that's what they did back in the day and that's what we're going to do then too. Um, mm-hmm. So... Uh, that's how we ended up doing the Bushwick Pilsner. And it's not just the name of a brewery or a, a name of a style. Mm-hmm. It's actually a style that was brewed in the neighborhood. So yeah. it's historical Lots of style. history. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. yeah. Wow. So it's a little higher alcohol and a little higher um, IBUs, a little higher bitterness. It's a modern take. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. M- modern take on a classic. Yeah. It's, it's, uh, it's very tasty. I, I, I definitely enjoy the Pilsner and uh, I definitely enjoy the, the white IPA for sure. Mm-hmm. So, um, the White IPA, it was actually, that was rated by, uh, I believe it was Metro, as one of the top five local NYC beers perfect for, for summer drinking, right? Yeah. yeah. That's, that's pretty, uh, pretty solid phrase. And it's great. I, I, I it's, it's a smooth, it's smooth and it's, it's, it's tasty and it's not one of those, you know, sometimes IPAs can be a little too heavy. They can be good, but they're a little, you know, yeah, you want to you want a beer that you can continue, <coughs> continuously drink. Um, and I, d- I do like this. I like this quite a bit. Um, I had a question though. So uh, um, you guys, you know, you use bold and crafty, and I think the the whole phrase is bold like a buck, crafty like a raven. Yeah. So um, <laughs> what what exactly? So what does that phrase exactly mean for you guys? Sure. Um, I think bold. Well, we actually have three words. Um, it, for us, it's actually bold, crafty, and simple. That's kind of how we make our decisions, especially for beer styles and for branding in particular. Simple isn't very catchy <laughs> but <laughs> for internally that's what we use um so bold and crafty bold is how we want our, our packaging and beer styles to kind of stand out um so if you put like our six packs in a grocery store on a shelf they are bold in that they will just jump right off the shelf because mm-hmm. it's just um how there's a high contrast 
um, when you see that versus like other six packs that have just a ton of shit going on. Yeah, they're clean. Yeah, you can just see it from from across the. I've actually seen it from outside of stores. So you can like look in. Mm-hmm. You're like, there it is. I can see it <laughs> all the way like thirty feet away. Um, crafty for us is like putting a little bit of a, a spin on an, something. Like it's doing a classic style, but then putting our own little twist on it. So instead of launching with an, just a straight IPA, we're like, let's do a white IPA. No one in New York City was doing a white IPA in 2014, um, as far as I know. Um, <clears throat> and that's what we ended up doing like with the black pale ale, too. Like, we could do a pale ale, or let's do like one simple twist, like a black pale ale. Um, so that's kind of where crafty kind of comes from. We try to be a slightly off the beaten path. And then simple kind of goes back to the, the branding like right the look, very straightforward yeah. and clean recognizable um, memorable um, kind of sticks in your head so that's kind of where but literally it does it came from the buck and the raven um, we're like old like a buck and crafty like a raven well those kind of sound like beer words too yeah <laughs> you know it's funny i didn't think about game of thrones before but now that you said it now i'm thinking about game of thrones and i'm looking at it yeah um, house raven yeah, House yeah. Braven. There you go. <laughs> so just going back to the white IPA. So these, these are Citra yeah. hops that you guys yeah. you use we for this? Citra, Cascade, and Columbus. All right. And, there's, and tasting and a little bit of coriander in there, yep. right? Mm-hmm. Uh, and then we uh, – coriander and orange peel. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> um, and then, we, yeah, we dry hop with Citra then on top. So you get a lot of the aroma um, with the dry hopping. Is, is there a crazy story behind it like uh, the Pilsner or – no, that was a little more straightforward. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> it's like, hey, nobody's doing this. Let's do this. Yeah. Okay. Well, it was a little surprising. I mean, we we just wanted to do a historical style. Mm-hmm. An old school. Uh, the style is technically a classic American Pilsner, which if you go on like the BJCP like website, like almost nobody does a classic American Pilsner. It's, it's kind of a style that's fallen out of favor. Um, so uh, we're like, all right, whatever. We're just going to do this one. And turns out everybody wants to drink pilsner so like that became our our flagship beer so quickly started outpacing the white ipa like two to one wow this is really a surprise um i thought everybody just wants to drink ipas that's what everyone says but there are so many people that aren't just craft beer people that still like drinking beer um they just want a go-to pilsner and ours goes with all kinds of food it works well in restaurants absolutely um and people still like local even if they don't want to do like sours and ipas and all stuff they still want a local beer so that's where our pilsner has worked really well for us yeah the pilsner it it almost it's like a um like a like a fruity aroma that's kind of combined with with a bit of like a floral hop character Mm -hmm. it's really nice and i think the great thing about the pilsner is that's the beer that's going to get that that you're going to get the non-craft so the craft beer heads you know they want those big bold sometimes over the top flavors but regular people when you're going out I mean the Pilsner that, that's the type of beer that's going to convert them so to speak or get them to open their eyes about the potential of craft beer yeah we like to think of ourselves as like a, a gateway beer right. almost excellent <laughs> yeah like a gateway into craft like, I, I feel like that's the new style for that like you know it used to be something like uh, like Oberon or you know something a little uh-huh. milder a little sweeter right but yeah. I feel like people are remembering you know if you're not drinking a lager it's probably a pilsner because that's what it used to be most of the world right? yeah well so still it's, it's kind of having still. a new renaissance in america mm-hmm. though at least, right 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 like, people are remembering oh yeah that was a thing like <laughs> yeah yeah i think 
something like two thirds of the world's beer is pilsner. Yeah. <laughs> like it's still the most popular style right in the whole world. Yep. Yeah. So and it, it's a little difficult to do because you're not you can't hide any flaws yeah. or inconsistencies in a pilsner. It's like the cleanest beer. So you can't just like over hop it and if you screw up like oh we'll just add some more citra on top and people won't know. It's like it yeah. is what it is. Yeah, it's unforgiving. I mean, it's, yeah. it's you got to get it right. Mm-hmm. Um, and you know, you guys do. I, I, it's very tasty. It's a tasty pilsner. Thank you. Thanks. Yeah, this one's, um, I believe, been featured in like seven different Michelin star restaurants, which wow. is wow, always very cool. That's very awesome. cool. I, I can imagine this goes great with food. The pilsner. Yeah, actually, Charlie Papazian, uh, one of the the godfather of craft oh, yeah. beer. Oh, yeah. He uh, he was the very first person. At our booth at uh, the Great American Beer Festival. No way. When we were out there two years ago. Like, doors open at 5 o'clock, and he was, he came straight to us at 4.58. <laughs> and we're like, oh my God, it's Charlie Papazian. <laughs> 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 we're like, play it cool. <laughs> <laughs> and he, like, he came straight for us. So, like, he must have, like, saw that we were new. He'd never tried us before. And, he tried the Pilsner, and he's like, this is good. This is yeah. good. And we're like, thanks. Thanks, Charlie. Thanks, that, that's good enough. And then mm-hmm. a couple months later, we got a request from All About Beer magazine to review the Pilsner. And he gave us a really great write-up um, because he had tried it. And I think that's why they, that's wanted, awesome. they requested it. So um, that's part of what he says. It said it, he, he said it pairs well with all kinds of food. We're like, that is going in all of our information. That is going, every, <laughs> going yeah. to every restaurant. Like, yeah. 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 That was really uh, huge. That was a really awesome accomplishment. Um, so you guys also released, um, not too sure how far back it was, but you did a, a, a Las Tumbas Spiced Out. Sure. Right? Yeah. And, and that was voted uh, one of the one of the 13 best <laughs> craft beers to try, right? By Forbes magazine. <laughs> yes. Um, the veritable craft beer juggernaut. Yes. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Um, but you know, it, it, it was so you know it was on the list. So uh, <laughs> there was actually a couple of others on the list. I'm not mistaken. I think KCBC had a beer on the list. Uh-huh. Uh, Bronx Brewery had a beer on the list, and, and Transmitter, who we uh, did a few weeks back, had a beer on the list. But getting back to the Las Tumbas, can is there yeah. a story behind that? Uh, you know, is is there? Uh, there sure is. Yeah. <laughs> 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 All right, let's hear it. There's a story for everything. Um, so when we were doing our Kickstarter, um, we had. We were doing these like parties kind of around the city to try to like just drum up uh, interest and kind of get to know us and hopefully give us money. Um, so we had the, the black IPA and the white IPA. That's what we, we knew we were going to do those two. We're like, we should do another style um, for the fall because it was October, November is when we we're doing a month long Kickstarter. But we're like, no pumpkin beer. <laughs> fuck pumpkin beer, fuck pumpkin beer. <laughs> everybody has a pumpkin beer and they're mostly shit most so of them, yeah. um we agreed we're never gonna do a pumpkin beer so at the time then we're like all right well what's another like kind of holiday is there another seasonal we could kind of tie in and november 2nd is day of the dead and it's a very yep. mexican holiday and uh bushwick has a very large mexican population mm-hmm. so we're like this is kind of a hopefully a nod to the flavors of our neighborhood. So that's how we kind of came up with the, the orange habanero chocolate stout, something that we think kind of tastes like it would come out of like the Oaxaca region of Mexico with like a lot of chocolate and spices. 
Um, so we originally just called it Dia. It was like just short for Dia de los Muertos. Mm-hmm. And that was our nickname for it for a long time. Um, but then there are like 12 different beers that already have trademarked Dia <laughs> or Dia de los Muertos. So uh, we had to come up with another name. And it is so hard to find a name for a beer these days that isn't already used. It, I literally spent an entire day, one day. I just sat down on this couch with my laptop and was just going through like untapped and um, rape beer and just Googling everything I could think of that had kind of something to do with like Mexico and day of the dead or death or bones or like anything I could think of. Um, and then eventually ended up, um, I don't even know how I found it, but ended up with Las Tumbas, which means the tombs. Yeah. And, and I was like, I went to like the U.S. Patent Trade Office and did a search there, and nothing was taken. Like, all right, fine, we can finally do this one. And it was actually pretty fitting because there's a bar in D.C. called the Tombs that's been around for like 200 years, like a really, really old bar. And Eric's wife used to work there, and we're like, all right, this is kind of cool. Like, mm-hmm. Las Tumbas, the Tombs. There you go. That's our, our connection for it. So we ended up working with a local tattoo artist um, named Dan Nelson. He, he works at, he, he's not there anymore. He was at the Rose Tattoo Parlor on Graham Avenue. Okay. And we're like, you think you could make us something? Like, we like your style. And so he agreed to do it and um, made this kind of cool skull with a sombrero and some marigold flowers that are traditional to the Dia de los Muertos. Um, so yeah, we're pretty, pretty happy with how that one, the, the look and feel of it. And then the, the flavor was really interesting. Um, I still love it. I think it's a complex um, style that not many people on the East Coast are doing spicy stouts. Mm-hmm. Um, it's kind of more of a West Coast thing, which we were maybe being a little aggressive on and trying to bring it to the East Coast before we have other styles. Um, but yeah, it, it, we learned a lot of lessons from that one, actually. Um, that was the first beer that we did that wasn't in package. Um, it was just draft only. Mm-hmm. Okay. So that one, it was a little harder to get people to try, like buyers, to buy a beer without trying it. Mm-hmm. Um, and we would hand fill bottles here in the office, and it is very time consuming, and they're only good for a couple of days. And um, so it was a little hard to sell it without samples. Um, it's expensive to like start up packaging, though. Um, yeah have labels designed um, printed um, approved by the TTB to have uh, six packs designed cases magnets um, 24 pack carriers keg collars like it's a lot of money to start up one new beer style so we resisted doing that because we're like let's just give it a shot with this one and not go into package but I think that's a, a big lesson to for something like that. Like people really wanted to try samples, and I think it would have done probably even better in package than on draft. So we tried to cut a corner by not spending money up front on the packaging. But I think in the long run, it might have hurt us. So yeah. for this new one, uh, now that you've done it, you know, a couple times and you've learned all these lessons. Yeah. Do you feel like it's gotten quicker, easier? Like you have a better take on how to get there? Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I think with our packaging, we've kind of hit 
um, a nice template of how our, our beer styles work um, with packaging and kind of the, the look and feel of them. They're distinctive enough within <clears throat> the different styles. They, they're, they stand out very, very much so, like the white IPA, Pilsner, and Black Fellow. Um, but now when we have the new one, it's definitely going to pop out um, with the bright sky blue packaging, but it still fits with the others. So you can tell those are all the same brewery. Right. Um, so now with this one, we um, worked with a different, another new designer, one of our friends, um, and we kind of came up with a different um, script for the, the name of the beer, or Skyliner. Um, took a little more Art Deco inspiration for like Empire State Building, um, kind of the architecture of New York City is a little more Art Deco inspired. So that's where the Skyliner name kind of comes from. Um, as I was, was saying, up we were up on the, our roof deck earlier, and yeah. Skyliner is very much inspired by our, our roof deck. You can see the whole uh, skyline of New York City very nice from, view. From the, uh, all the way down in Battery City up to to uh, kind of Central Park, really, um, uninterrupted. And we go up there pretty often to kind of escape our office and have, uh, we're having like a really rough day. Sometimes <laughs> we'll just like take a beer up there and like take a moment. And we've actually had some actual breakthroughs and um, kind of a change of scenery can help unclutter the mind sometimes. And we we kind of think like higher elevation for higher thinking. That's kind of like <laughs> sure. what we think sometimes and it's yeah. worked. So it's been, um, it's been fun to kind of think about that for, we've been trying to come up with a name for it for a long time. Like roof again, like roof deck beer is taken. Rooftop beer is taken. Like mm-hmm. everything is taken. Um, Skyliner sounds better though. Thank you. Well, it only took us like a year to come up with that name. <laughs> <laughs> it's worth the wait. <laughs> And then it wasn't taken either. Like, well, now it is. Yeah, now <laughs> it's it's been registered. No one else is allowed to take it. Um, but even Skyline is taken. So ours is like a little twist on that. Um, but yeah, it's it takes a long time to, for us, when we brew at 110 barrels at a time, um, it takes a long time to really figure out what beer we're going to commit to. Um, and that's it's been for us. It's been slow and steady. Like we just introduced, like we've had four beers in two and a half years. Like most breweries start with like eight, <laughs> like off the bat. Yeah. Um. So it's it's a uh, it's been frustrating sometimes because everyone always wants what's new. Like what's new? What's new? What's new? Like mm. we still have our same beers and they're great and you should drink them. Like you don't need to always have something new to appreciate like what's in your glass. What's already doing it for you right. so mm-hmm. um so it's been a little frustrating sometimes because people expect you to do new things um and they'll lose interest if you're not doing new things in this kind of craft beer scene um but for us that's how we get into like michelin star restaurants because they want consistency yeah they want to make sure if they put this beer on tap that you're not gonna run out it's not just like 10 kegs of it um, they're not switching up their minds constantly. Like they want to make sure that you're going to have it, and so that's really played to our advantage. Having at least two of the beers year round, um, that's done really, really well for us. Yeah. And how many batches do you do, like on average, a year? Since uh, it is such a big commitment for each one. Yeah. Um, I think 
Eric's a little better on timing on this kind of thing. He does all of our operations. Basically, it's a, an amazing partnership. He does basically everything from getting the getting the beer made and to the distributor. So that's scheduling brew dates, ordering packaging material, uh, managing our finances, um, ordering grain. I think the other day he ordered 61,000 pounds of grain. <laughs> 30 tons of grain. Um, it's so a good amount. He was pretty excited about that, actually. Um, so he does all like everything like that, and then I kind of take over from for doing everything to get the beer sold. Right. So branding, um, creating the packaging, uh, marketing, events, working with our salesperson. Um, so I think at this point, we're doing about a batch of each of them a month of Pilsner and White IPA okay. of like 200 barrels. Um, no, last year we, our first year we did um, roughly double, a little over double our goal of a thousand barrels. A thousand barrels is what we saw as like the average number for breweries in New York City to do their first year. And we ended up doing 2,100. Oh, wow. So we were very fortunate to be able to do that many. Um, and then last year we did about um, almost 3,000, 29 and change. Um, this year we're, I think, going to do about it looks like about 15%, 15 to 20% over that. Um, we're, we're expecting a pretty big fourth quarter with the launch of a new style, and then we're bringing yeah. back the uh, black pale ale for fall seasonal. Oh, nice. nice. Yeah, so we'll have four SKUs for the for the fall. Yeah, and you know, there, there's something to be said, going just going back to the consistency. You know, you guys have a couple of years, but it's, it's, um, it's difficult to kind of reproduce quality over and over and over again where there's 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 more room you know there's, there's less margin for error whereas if you're making different beers all the time you know you can kind of just experiment and then you know it's yeah. kind of is what it is but doing consistent styles consistently is a very um difficult thing so props to you guys yeah, for, for you. doing that so would you guys um are do you guys intend to at any point going back to Las tumbas ever bringing that back and potentially bottling it at some point uh, yeah, there's been a lot of interest in that. People asked us about that. <clears throat> um, there's potential. Um, we have a couple other things we lined up that we'd like to do before we go back to that. Mm -hmm. um, uh, the first, the biggest priority for us really right now is uh, opening our brewery. Um, yeah. That is like 110% of our time. Mm -hmm. um, so that takes up so many hours between, well, we're at, kind of at, the landlord lawyer lease stage um, we've agreed on all the terms it's just kind of going back and forth on the 80 pages of fine print at this point mm -hmm. <clears throat> um, so when we do that that's when we get into the fun you know 10 barrel batches you can constantly switch them up and you know, yeah. do new things um, but actually in the in the meantime before that we're going to be launching another core year-round style it's going to be launching in March you're the first to hear about this too another BT <laughs> exclusive another exclusive dropping them all day today yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, so going back to kind of the history of Bushwick um, kind of mentioned Otto Huber Brewery where the well is now yep um, so in 1880 I believe 80 or 82 uh, one of those two uh, there was a fire at the brewery and a wall collapsed on a firefighter named uh, Captain William Baldwin. And he was the first firefighter to die in the line of duty for the Brooklyn Fire Department. And he's buried 
in the Bushwick Cemetery at the end of um, Evergreen Avenue, and there's a, a monument to him from the Brooklyn Fire Department. And I think something like 20 other uh, firefighters are buried in that same area. And we read this um, back when we were doing the, the research on the history of brewers in New York City, the, or in, in Bushwick, and that anecdote just kind of came up, and so we started looking into it a little more. Like, that's a really cool story. Um, and we kind of think of him as, like, almost the patron saint of, like, protecting breweries in New yeah. York City, in Bushwick in particular. Um, so we're doing a beer in his honor. Um, wow. This one's called uh, Baldwin Lager. It's going to be a Vienna lager that we're going to launch, I believe, in March. Um, and a dollar for every case that's sold of that is going to uh, a nonprofit called Answer the Call Fund, yes. which uh, benefits uh, families and widows of people who have died in line of duty for FDNY and NYPD. Ooh, that's that's awesome. very cool. Very yeah, cool. that's very yeah. cool. Mm -hmm. So we're, we're really excited for that one. Um, has really strong roots to our, our neighborhood. And it's also a great cause. Absolutely. And it's kind of like, it's, it's also th throwing it back to, right? The Pilsner throws it back to the German immigrants who came, yep. lager to the Austrian immigrants who came who kind of helped build the beer scene back then. So sure. it's all yeah. nice little, little tie-in as well. Yeah. Yeah. And, I, and a great cause. Well, and I think we, we were kind of like, what would firefighters want to drink too? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, probably not a Rockin' beer, right? <laughs> yeah. And like, probably not like a double ipa sour like, yeah no, I, like, no. Like, let's not most of like, them anyway yeah so i think like a, a vienna lager fits with kind of the other styles that we're doing and um it's very approachable and that's kind of what we want for that one but still a full flavored beer it's not like watered down or anything so mm -hmm. it can be a full craft beer but a little sweeter a little maltier cool and now when you guys um open the brewery are you guys going to explore canning as well uh, yeah, we'd love to do um, canning. I think we're interested in getting um, a mini kind of uh, semi-manual, semi, uh, I don't know if it's semi-manual or semi-automated um, uh, canning line. Um, not going to be doing probably a mobile canner. Okay. Um, you can get semi-automated ones or even manual. Uh, we might end up, depending on how much money this whole thing costs. Yeah, <laughs> sure. Depends on how automated this canning line is going to be. Um, we'll probably get manual or semi-manual um, canning line to do like 16 ounce cans um, that'll be just taproom exclusives um, probably not even for distribution probably just buy them on site oh wow um, <clears throat> they're pretty labor intensive yeah. to do that kind of thing sure um, so it'll just be sold there um, we're pretty excited about that I think that's when and we'll be doing crowlers um, so people can get anything they want on tap that day and be able yeah. to take it home with them but if you want to take it home like a four pack then you can um, get the cans um, I like that that's cool that'll be, that'll be tap room exclusive yes yeah, nice. yeah. Is, will they find you behind the bar there or that remains to be seen <laughs> <laughs> I'm already putting in a lot of hours as it is um, I, I imagine at some point I'll probably make a couple guest appearances sure uh, it's been a while, <laughs> but uh, yeah, I think so. I, I don't know. Even uh, uh, I met my wife up in Saratoga because she was bartending at like the craft beer bar called Henry Street Tap Room. Oh, wow. uh, when actually when we were up there brewing the Pilsner, and uh, we just like, we hit it off and stayed in touch. And she was coming down here, and I was going up there. And um, but she is actually like 
Cicerone certified beer trainer, like beer server. Nice. Wow. So, nice. like, she's like the most qualified person yeah. to bartend <laughs> at our spot. So, we'll see uh, yeah. if she ends up, she wants to do that too. Oh, so, so it's like a beer marriage. It is a beer family. That's yeah. a beer family. Nice. Yeah. My, my son is going to be cleaning those tanks with his small hands yeah. as, soon as, <laughs> as soon as he can. Yeah, man. Cheap labor, right? Oh, uh, absolutely. Yeah. <laughs> So, um, so, so go back to, to the new beer. So, when can we expect? Uh, when will when will Skyliner be available to the public? Um, it should arrive here in about three weeks. Um, that's when it should be done. I think our first event is going to be um, at Heavy Woods. Actually, okay. Shout out Heavy Woods. Shout uh, out to Heavy Woods on Tuesday, October seventeenth. We're doing a, a mini tap takeover. We'll have uh, four styles on tap at that time. So, we'll have the black pale ale, the white IPA. Bushwick Pilsner and Skyliner IPA, nice. and then we're beginning. We're going to be doing almost an event every single night for the next week um, throughout uh, Brooklyn, Manhattan, and Queens. Oh, cool! Yeah, and actually, we'll be doing the Queens Beer Festival in Long Island City. Nice on uh, that weekend. I think the it's like the eleventh or twelfth, eleventh and twelfth. I believe like so. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, we did that last year. It was a great festival. Really liked it. A lot yeah. of good great turnout people were really interested in trying different things definitely it was a really fun fun festival yeah yeah a lot, lot of a lot of good brews uh it's yeah. a great opportunity for people to try all kinds of different beers all you know one Absolutely. sitting so it's good stuff yeah so you have any other um news events anything else you want to promote i think i gave you everything you, you gave us a lot of <laughs> exclusives man definitely you really did it, it, this is good stuff well, i hope t- they t- all tell work us about, out um, <laughs> tell us about like uh other breweries that you maybe enjoy? Uh, it's so hard because <laughs> I just have my like head down and mm. just work on this nonstop. It's, I really wish I had more time uh, yeah. between being like a new father and sure, like, working sure. on this full time. Um, That's full time itself. That we, yeah, it's something that Eric and I actually kind of miss. He's um, a uh, soon-to-be father. He's expecting about two months. Oh, wow. Congrats. Yeah, two months. So um, we're pretty busy. Um, but we used to definitely go to, especially when we travel. And we were just talking about this, about going out to Portland and visiting breweries out there. Um, we did end up having a, a joint bachelor party, actually, because we have the same group of friends, and we both got married the same year. So we went down to Asheville, North Carolina, for our, our bachelor party. And I think we went to, like, six or seven breweries down there. And, um that's that's what kind of what we want here too it's like we wanted to bring that atmosphere of all these like kind of brewery hopping that we like to do when we go to portland or san francisco um philadelphia like denver obviously denver like we love going to these cities and you can just like hop around and try all these different beers and that in 2013 when we first started working on this like that just wasn't possible it wasn't even a concept in new york city that even registered at all yeah. So right. now when we hopefully when we open just going down the L train it's going to be just an amazing array of breweries it's going to be uh Grim, Innerborough, Braven, KCBC, uh Evil Twin, Queens Brewery and Bridge and Tunnel. Like yeah. seven breweries right in a row just down the L train. That's awesome. Yep. It's, um, it's so amazing. Yeah, uh, so even though I, I don't even get to go visit all of them very often um it's exciting to kind of be in this community of of people just kind of starting up these breweries in new york city that 
just weren't there a couple of years ago. Everyone's taking big risks. It's not cheap to open a brewery in New York City. It's uh, it, we're always very jealous to hear about how these breweries open up in like two months in like <laughs> Wisconsin or something. You're like, yeah, that's not New York City. No, not at all. <laughs> um, pay like I don't know. Here it's like fifty dollars a square foot or something, and there it's like fifty dollars an acre. So, uh, it's, a, it's a big difference. It's a different, it's a different yeah. ball game, yeah. Sure. That's for uh, sure. So, it does make us a little jealous. But, I mean, there's a reason people live in New York City, though. Everyone is here because, I don't know, because it is harder. It is. And yeah, you want right. to prove yourself. Like, most people, I mean, a lot of people come from elsewhere. I'm from Pennsylvania and lived in D.C. And if you want, like, the real challenge in life, you start it in New York City. Like, that's where it's going to be tough. And if you can't take it, Go back to where you came from. Right. Yeah. So like I said, so you, <laughs> you can make it anywhere, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. That's what it feels like, and we're getting a lot closer. Mm-hmm. Now, when was the last time you had a Coors or a Miller <laughs> or a, uh, a Beast? Beast has been a long time. <laughs> <laughs> uh, that one I stay away from. Oh, <laughs> uh, man. Um, uh, yeah. I'm, I'm not usually opposed um of, of like the crappy beers mm-hmm. um i don't really mind like miller light that <laughs> one's like my like go-to not thinking about it kind of beer yeah actually so last year um my my wife and i moved down to another apartment and eric helped me move in and it was really hot day and we after we were finished we went to the the corner bodega and just got a six pack of Miller Lite and we both like slammed that six pack <laughs> <laughs> like we split it and like we chugged those in like 15 minutes or something wow like it was just one of those days I'm like I don't even care like I need I need this like cheap watery beer yeah and it did the job well i mean this this has been great this has been a uh, um awesome conversation so many exclusives dropped on the show today um so perry any any parting thoughts any parting words i'm just looking forward to try the rest of the beers now really cool sounding i mean mm-hmm. the styles are great and what i've had so far has been awesome cool cool mm-hmm. and just anything uh you can leave us with yeah it was uh really cool hearing about like the history behind uh, especially the pilsner um your stories were very very good like i i like the um the story about the first batch uh-huh. <laughs> yeah. that was that was, that was really good yeah, yeah. um and i really like the 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 design because it's very clean and simple of all your products mm-hmm. yeah man and i would just like to th- uh thanks again for hosting beer today beer tomorrow really appreciate being here you guys are uh, making good beer and wherever there's good beer btbt will be there um, so all I could say is thanks again, man. Really appreciate it. Yeah. No, thanks for coming by. Happy to host you and bring back my bartending spirit a little bit too. <laughs> now you were killing it. I gotta say you're killing it. <laughs> guys, beer today, beer tomorrow. We're signing out and, uh, we'll see you guys in the next episode. Peace. Adios. Thanks. We hope you enjoyed the show. Don't forget to follow the Craft Beer Odyssey on Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook. And also check out our website, beertodaybeertomorrow.com. Stay tuned, everybody.
BTBT will be back next with a part one of a two-part episode at the Well in Brooklyn with an all-star New York craft beer scene lineup. Remember, wherever you are in the world, drink local, drink fresh, repeat. Cheers. <laughs>